Welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for listening today. We are rediscovering the ancient way. You can always find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com. Search for us on YouTube under Path to Zion. And uh, you can also send us an email at any time at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com in case you do not know. Cruising along this morning, we are... um, into July now. I don't know where you are in the world or maybe specifically in this nation of the United States, but man, it is summer. It is crazy hot. We are breaking records already. And uh, if you live in a house that does not have air conditioning like we do, it's probably testing your patience and endurance and the level of emotion that you walk controlled by. <laughs> because by the time it gets about, oh, seven, eight o'clock at night and your house is 82 degrees and it feels like your great Aunt Mabel's house who didn't believe in running air conditioning below 85, well, yeah, it kind of feels like those days. But you get, guess what? It, you learn to endure. A friend of mine calls it tribulation training. I think that's very applicable. I tell you what, though, if you're if you're a rapturitis guy, hey, you're good. Jack up the AC to 65 and just, you know, just like the old, if you're old enough to know the Calgon commercials from back in the day, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> take me away from my problems. Take me away from my discomfort. Bring me some relief right now. Hey. Air conditioning's not the devil. Don't worry. I'm not saying that. Everybody chooses to live differently. And uh, I'll tell you what, though. I bet my utility bill's a lot cheaper than yours. <laughs> uh, but sometimes I'd pay $500 to run the AC for a night. So, you know, praise the Lord nonetheless for everything we have. The comforts of life that we all have, that we all enjoy. May we not take them for granted. May we not just bask in the goodness and kindness and favor of God. There are many being persecuted for their beliefs. There's many being persecuted, period. I just would like to say that. We always hear in the church, there are people dying today for the name of Yeshua. Yes. But let's just be clear. (laughs) There are people dying today, period. There are people with no hope, with no life, living miserable lives. Humanity needs a rescuer. Humanity needs a deliverer. Bad. No new problem. No new issue. I've said for years, you know, you always hear in the Christian church that we have to go out and we have to spread the gospel. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to take discipleship classes. We have to do this, do that. Why? Because people are dying without Jesus. Yes, true. But man, probably 20 years ago when we first started working at the first church we were on staff at, man, 20 years ago, I started deliberately saying, and man, my spiritual life stunk back then. I'll just be clear. (laughs) Didn't much have one, but I was given a platform to teach, to preach. 
to mentor youth in college. Yikes. The Lord will use us wherever we are. Oh, my goodness. But one thing I started saying way back then was, yeah, I know. I know that people are dying today without Jesus. Yes. But I started saying deliberately, you know what's worse? There are people living today without Jesus. There are people living today without hope, without a rescuer, without a deliverer, without any possibility of purpose and abundant life. There are people now still alive, still still potential could still be set up to be rescued, to be delivered, to be set free because there's still breath in their lungs. And so yes and amen, what a tragedy that people will die today without knowing without knowing the deliverance and, and rescue and salvation of the Messiah. Yes and amen, what a, what a sad condition of humanity. But listen, there are also many millions on the earth right now, and some are right beside you in the workplace, some are beside me as I'm driving on this interstate. Some are going to be at the store in the checkout line beside you today. Some of them are beside you at church. Some of them are within your men's Bible study. Some of them are in the choir. We have to be real specific now. They're not just the heathen reprobate men on your television screen who are picketing and rioting. They are also beside you in your prayer time. People who do not yet know personally, individually, man, they've not yet encountered the king personally themselves, experientially. People all around us in our Christian circles, in our Christian world, in the church, even in small home gatherings, man, there are adults and there are youth and there are children who do not yet know individually by personal experience the, the Ezekiel heart exchange reality. Man, there are people all in the church who have, quote, asked Jesus into their hearts. But they've never had their heart of stone removed to be properly housed by the Spirit of God, becoming His dwelling, becoming His regenerated dwelling. Man, the church could use a heavy dose of of self-introspection. Do I ever say that here? (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm not saying at all that, that we're not all called to the lost, but man, sometimes some of us have to, have to just face it. You know what? Some of us are primarily, like again, primarily called to the church to say, wake up church, wake up church. Stop being baptized when you don't know anything about what baptism is. Stop joining churches and becoming part of organizations with no meaning whatsoever and no connection to being within the people of God corporately on the earth in this hour, to be an actual nation of people, a royal priesthood. Stop doing all these things, church. 
We're so far removed. We're so far removed from the original plan of God of what the people of God are to be. And just by, by, by sheer definition, not just what they're to be, but what they are, period. That's what's worse. It's not that we've just missed what we're supposed to do as Christians. We don't even know our identity. We don't even know who we are. And friends, why in the world are we talking about what we are supposed to do if we don't even know who we are? Much of the church does not know who she is. They're just patriotic Christian Americans who ask Jesus into their heart for the most part. That is the majority. No one would argue that. Much of the church looks the same post-salvation as she did pre-salvation. Maybe you don't cuss as much, drink as much, yell at your wife as much. You try to be good. You try to read your Bible. You try to live moral. But do we walk in an awareness of this vast understanding of who we are in Messiah? What we have been purchased to become as a Gentile people. No way. I don't understand that. Do you? Do you understand that in its fullness? If you do, then you better send me an email. <laughs> there are many people who understand this in greater measure, and I'm finding for the most part it's people who do not live here in America. I met a brother this weekend. Barely met him, but more than anything, just heard him speak for two hours. He lives in Israel. He's lived there with his family for 16 years. I think he's got 11 children, 30-some grandchildren. And he presented a perspective just off the cuff by what the Spirit of the Lord was saying that, like, I literally had no place in me to put it. I had no folder or file within my present understanding and, and, and the way I live my life, I had nowhere to put the things he was saying because it's such a foreign idea. Now, why is that? Because he lives in the physical land of Yahweh God, and his perspective is so different than mine. He's so different than mine. He has a Christian upbringing. He's from the United States. And so he's got this melting pot of, of doctrine and belief, but I could just tell. I could just tell his perspective was like, man, this guy does not think like me. I don't get these things he's saying in the sense of I don't live out my life according to the, the, the precise understanding of the greater purpose within the gospel and all of the intricacies within the geographical importance of God again establishing his kingdom in a natural place. The importance, in great summary, the importance of a natural, physical land, ground, dirt, mountains, boundaries, 
And friends, I would just say that, that like me, much of the church is totally ignorant to this reality of God's heart towards a physical, natural land, Israel, and all the things that are prophesied about what will again be reestablished post-Yeshua, post-church age, post-age of, of mercy and grace and compassion and invitation. Man, culmination of the ages is, is fast approaching something that I would say we do not yet understand within the mystery of a land, of a geographical location, of where Yeshua the Messiah will somehow rule and reign from a specific place on a natural earth. I speak with great regularity about New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem, that it, I, I believe, just if you understand the text correctly, from my perspective, New Jerusalem's already done. It's past tense. <laughs> it's already in the sense of, let's be, let me be clear, in the sense of, I believe it's ready. I believe it's prepared. I believe it now is. It's just, it's not, it's not yet now here. It's not yet here. It's not yet descended here. This earth is not ready yet. <laughs> we know everything here is, is passing away and will pass away entirely. Why? It has to. It's the pattern of God. It's just like my assault on the ask Jesus in your heart doctrine. God's not looking to freshen things up, friend, in your heart or on the earth. He's not interested in just spraying some perfume on you. He's not in, interested in just decorating this earth a little bit and making it more paradise-esque. His pattern is, you know what? We've got to start over. <laughs> We've got to start over. Oh man, we could spend all day talking about the biblical pattern of Yahweh and how he is a starting over God. We, I mean, gosh, how I'm, man, my, my mind is being assaulted with example after example of how this is always the case. God is a God of regeneration, of rebirth. All the way, I mean, gosh, not all, we could go back further, but just the first and foremost thing at my mind is just no, the days of Noah. And God's just done. He's wanting to wash his hands with mankind, say, you know what, I'm just done. But he finds one faithful. He finds one free from violence and corruption and, and intermixing, and he says, you know what, I'm starting over with you. I'm starting over. It's his pattern. Oh, praise, praise him that that's his pattern. That he is not looking to do what much of majority Christianity says, which is, you know what? If you just tried harder, if you just tried harder, friend, if you just read more Proverbs, if you just prayed a little bit more, if you would just go to more church services, Brother Jim, 
If you would just go with your family to church, oh man, you would feel so much better. You'd be so much happier. You wouldn't have those addictions anymore, friend. We try to pretty ourselves individually and others. We try to pretty us up to be more presentable, but it's just like it's the pharisaical mindset. It's the whitewashed tomb reality that Yeshua looked at and called it what it was every single time. He said, y'all, listen, man, you look awesome on the outside, but guess what? I'm not here to talk about your outside functions, attributes. You know what? I don't really care. I don't care about how good you look. Why? I look inward. I see the heart of a man. And that's why, friends, in this hour, we've got to be so careful that we just don't call something in a political party good and in this political party bad because of just very wide and broad generalizations. Right now, the majority of conservative Christian church looks at a color (laughs) or a news program and with no discernment, with no deeper thought or, 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 I would say, intent beyond surface level appearance, inquire about what is really right and true. It's just, it's literally good guy, bad guy. It's like just this, it culminates in this, and I'm not going to go political here, don't worry. But it does bear mentioning because this is, a, this is a heavy climate of where culture is right now in this nation. She's more divided probably than she's ever been. It's just this casual division. Everyone's divided. It's just expected now. Brother hates brother in just a weird modern way. Hearts, again, hearts. We may not be having a civil war with with. Uh, Guns and and bows and arrows and, you know, whatever weapon of choice you prefer. It's heart issue. It's a civil war of the heart. Brother hating brother on the inside, which is, again, what Yeshua was always condemning. He was always coming against, look, man, I see right through your facade of unity, of camaraderie. No, no, sir. Y'all are nasty in there. And friends, we are. This nation is nasty in there. (laughs) Division. No discernment. Just a blanket. We take our eyes and we just roam a parking lot of people, a sea of people. And we label them, good or evil, by their political party preference, how moral they are or are not, how they dress, and their place in this moment's cultural society. No one seems to want to talk about how we do that. And these images I see on Facebook, like every every other every other post, it seems. It's no longer Republican versus Democrat. It's righteous versus evil. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? (laughs) Blows my mind. 
Blows my mind how men fall willingly into division. As that message I did on on the book of Noah, mercy, mercy, mercy. On me first, I'm in need of mercy. I am in need of forgiveness. Me. Perhaps more than any other God, me first. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Oh, great God, none of us deserve you. And I know I'm always saying that, but I'm telling you, that's why I'm, a, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and anyone could rightfully come to me and say, Joel, you're not very balanced. You're not talking about the judgment of God. You're not talking about his wrath. You're not talking about, you're not talking about justice, Joel. You're not balanced yourself. And this is my response to that. It's very easy to me to explain. I would say 90% of the church that I know, the, 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 the church that I know, <laughs> I mean no in a sense of like this is how I define church in 2020, the Christian church in 2020. Most of her walks in open judgment, executing God's justice with great delight 24-7, finger-pointing, condemning, calling out, call it what we want. You know, I know it's called like, hey, we're just saying, you know, God's righteousness needs to prevail. Hey, I'm just calling it like it is. The world's vile and evil. Somebody's got to say it. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's saying it. (laughs) Most everyone is saying that. So I want to be a small voice within the church that's saying, you know what? I understand. I understand, yes. This generation, this age, is very lawless. But as I keep saying, why do we need to be fascinated with continually talking about that? That that has become old news. We know. We know. It's very clear. My son can tell you about the lawlessness of this age, and he's not even nine years old yet. So what I'm saying is, let's talk about the mercy of God. Let's talk about his compassion. Let's talk about things like the establishing of a kingdom in a natural land. Can we talk about those things? The church will talk to no end about politics. Well, let's talk about New Jerusalem. Well, we talk about Black Lives Matter, protesters, Confederate flags, who wears a mask and who doesn't. Man, we'll talk about that for hours and hours and hours on end. I would say probably millions of hours on YouTube just dedicated to that from Christians. Even prophets, right? I heard a prophecy last night, two in the morning after I ate four burritos, and the Lord woke me up and said, Trump's going to make America the biggest, strongest, most powerful superpower in the whole world, and everybody else is going down. And it's going to get four million hits because why? The Rapturitis Church says, that's right, yes and amen, we're the best. Get them, God. I'm just saying. So somebody has to come in and say, oh God, I'm going to bring balance to your word. I'm going to, the best I know how, in humility and 
hearing what you're saying and, and who I'm called to be, and this is what we all have to do, who are, who are we individually called to be, our function, to say, oh, yes, 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 but remember his mercy. Remember his mercy. Do you remember his mercy being poured out upon you, church, if in fact it has? Do you remember your first love? Do you desire none to perish? Do you desire that compassion and mercy and forgiveness to fall upon the lawless ones? Do you desire God to redeem humanity and receive the glory for purchasing mankind so that all principalities and powers and angels and kings and authorities bow their knee and say, surely, surely Yahweh is the one true God. And there is none like him. Why? Because he redeemed that guy. That guy Joel there, man, God redeemed him. Yahweh must be true. Because that guy served the kingdom of darkness for 35 years. But now look at him. Look at him now. Surely Yahweh is God. Surely Yeshua is Messiah. Why? The evidence of a man receiving the compassion and forgiveness of the Father and being called a son. So friends, we're all over the place today, admittedly. We need to be sober. We need to remember, if we can bring any of this to any kind of a a summation, (laughs) we need to be sober-minded in this hour. We need to be discerning men who are watching what the Spirit is doing in the earth. And what the Spirit is saying, our ears must be tuned to that. First, first and foremost, so that every other thing that is fighting for your attention has its rightful place. And is absolutely secondary, way down the line, compared to what the Spirit's saying to you, to your household, to your congregation, to your region, to the body of the Messiah as a whole. And I do believe, just to, just to mention it again, some of, some of it is found within this weird mystery of the culmination of the ages in a specific land, Israel. Man, the church, myself included, we have been taught next to nothing about what is to come that will be a natural reality. Everything in the church, and I'll make this my final closing point, everything in the modern Christian American church has been entirely geared towards spiritual, metaphorical realities. Everything now post-Messiah Well, no, everything now is just spiritual. We don't understand correctly the teachings of Paul. We don't understand the things Yeshua was saying. We sure don't understand prophecy about literal, physical manifestations and examples on a natural earth. Friends, we're just ignorant. We're just ignorant. It's not entirely our fault, but in measure it is our fault. In measure, let's just be grown, mature men and admit we've just been ignorant. 
So friends, whatever it looks like for you today, wherever you are, whatever your level of spiritual maturity, whether you're in the clouds or whether you're down in the dirt, it's okay in the sense of it's okay if you are ready right now to settle yourself to change, to grow, to mature. It's time, church, to grow up. It's time to grow up, church. So let's do it today. Let's do our part today, our individual part. This is like anything else. If everyone individually did their part, holy cow, I'm convinced the world would change. I know the church would, but listen, I keep saying this. I said this throughout the story, um, not the story, the, the series of Jonah. If the church changed, if the church repented, the world would change and the world would repent. It's got to be us first. It's got to be us first. So let's do it today, whatever that looks like for you today. Make the effort. Set your mind, your heart, your thoughts, your emotions even. Today I'm going to change. Today I'm going to give myself to the deeper matters that the Spirit is saying. If you want to check out anything that we have taught in greater measure, go to pathtozion.com. There are hundreds of episodes, audio only. If you've not listened to the Book of Jonah study, there's a five-part series that was just posted two weeks ago. And then a week ago, I posted a greatly condensed form of the larger study. It's called the Book of Jonah. A warning to the church of 2020. If you want to look it up, search for it on YouTube. I would say in great humility, friends, if you've not watched that, please consider watching that. It's 75 minutes covering the four books of Jonah, the four chapters of Jonah. And I am, I am still convinced with more, more and more with each passing day that it is a message for the church of right here and right now. So go to YouTube. Look for Path to Zion podcast or search for the book of Jonah, a warning to the church of 2020. Be encouraged today. Have a good day. Lift your eyes on earth as it is in heaven for us. In the name of Yeshua, amen.